Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Jabo macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzschwanke kommt und jetzt ist es Klos. Also Arminia Bielefeld. Penny 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke. Hello and welcome to the final episode of this Fighter Bundesliga podcast for season 2020-2021. In this episode, you have entered part three of our season review and we'll be talking about all the teams from 13th all the way to the bottom. It's fair to say that there is a perennial underachiever in this lot of six, uh, two sides who had really short stays, and some lucky survivors in between. Again, alongside me for the final time this season to talk about the Svada Bundesliga is Eva Lotta Bola. Eva, welcome. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I mean, now, and that's probably where we're probably the two people who are the happiest for this last section because now we come into that sort of region of the table where people are generally not very happy about that season. Um, so how are you? Uh, looking forward to the break, to be honest. It's been, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting season. I'm doing well. I think the oversaturation of football is definitely a thing, you know, even though I've been watching the Euros. Um, but yeah, looking forward to actually doing some some different projects and um, you know continuing on with my separate podcast series one on one. And yeah, I believe before the time of this episode coming out, episode four will would have come out with um, Mercedes driver Nick De Vries. So um, if you enjoy motorsport, that's definitely something that I that you guys can check out. So yeah, looking forward to um, to releasing that. But yeah, I guess. Um, we should crack on for the final time uh, discussing everything in the Svada Bundesliga. And I mentioned a perennial underachiever. Uh, and it, I don't say that because they were the t- I was the only one to have them winning the league this year. It's Hanover 96. I did also put a disclaimer that I, I did apologize to any Hanover fan for jinxing them. And I did a great job in jinxing them. What a horrible season it was for them. Uh, and it would also see the end of the Keenan Kokach era. 13th place gets you 12 wins, 6 draws, 16 losses. That's one of the worst in the league in terms of the defeat count. That's fourth worst. Uh, even uh, Regensburg had less. 53 goals, 451 against. They're the only team in the bottom half to have a positive goal difference. Marvin Dux led the way with 16 goals and 7 assist Haraguchi, Genki Haraguchi, nine goals and seven assists. He will be departing for Union Berlin. Let's ask for some fan perspective. Uh, Melanie, who is a Hanover fan, let's see what she had to say about the season that was for Hanover. Hi, Matthew. Uh, Hope all is well. Thanks for having me in the podcast. So um, regarding Hanover 96 this season, I think... The word disappointment pretty much sums it up. Um, I think we all know that position 13 isn't where Hanover wanted to end up. Um, actually, they were dreaming of promotion to the Bundesliga. 
Um, I didn't expect them to reach that, but I didn't, I didn't imagine that they would end up that bad, quite honestly. So um, we had a bunch of new players last summer joining us and only a few of them, um, namely um, Halt, Moroya and Bijol, um, actually played a good season. The others didn't really fit in well. Um, of course, we also had some bad luck with injuries from Mina, for example, but I think all teams struggle with injuries at some point, so that shouldn't really be an excuse, in my opinion. Um, yeah, there's still um, a complicated atmosphere in the club with constant conflicts between Martin Kind, Gary Zuber and, and Kenan Kocak, who will be now leaving. Um, I think that this also didn't help. Um, we were very lucky that Genki Haraguchi played an amazing season. I don't want to know where we would have ended up without him. And yeah, I'm not very optimistic for next season now that Schalke, Bremen and Dresden are joining the league and Haraguchi is leaving for Union Berlin. So I guess it might be position 13 again next year for Hanover. Let's see. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you, Melanie. And I hope maybe a little bit more positivity uh, as a board member of the Genki Haraguchi fan club let's uh it is a shame that he went to Union but alas he had one of those incredible seasons that um kept Hanover afloat in many ways um but I guess enough about the Haraguchi fanfare because um it's not the time nor the place um Eva such a disappointing campaign for Hanover there was a lot of high hopes as Melanie mentioned and it just didn't happen from from early on in the season. There was just no cohesion with the squad. They didn't they had a lot of underperformers. Certain uh, new players weren't able to gel, and and ultimately it just became a not not a farce, but just such a an unbelievable disappointment that Hanover really couldn't get it together. Yeah, would fully agree with you there. Um, to start off that section, I mean. Um, especially if you if you look at one player that was kinda expected to leave the club before the season, but then stayed, and um, maybe is one of the players who also think that um, he he's better than he actually is. Um, Henrik Weidand, um, who didn't play a role at all in in this team. I mean, he he played, but he like wasn't very visible on the pitch, or you could read. Really, really see him in that way um yeah i mean if if hanover was involved most of the times a couple of goals were involved as well um i mean th- there were a couple of games which at least meant there's going to be at least four or five goals in this game but yeah i i I'd agree with uh, what melanie said you always have that yeah also that that construct behind that club you always have a martin kind um you always have the feeling half of the things hanover publishes or tweets or whatever is some kind of revision of what i don't know any kind of of newspaper printed so that's a bit annoying as well um and yeah you could really see towards the end um fans just wanted kochek to leave as well um yeah and those 16 losses i mean they they just that's huge and not in a positive way uh you, you have the feeling they didn't really know like very early on in the season um they knew it's not going to be 
much for promotion this season, similar to to Düsseldorf. But in general, um, yeah, very disappointing season by them. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they manage to do next season. But um, yeah, it's safe to say we had some expectations. You had a lot of expectations. Um, but me as well, I think I had them in my top four or five as well. So don't worry about that. Um, it's, yeah, how just... Yeah, you always expect something from Hanover and they go on and do the exact opposite. Yeah, that was painful. <laughs> uh, them's the breaks of having to try and predict the season um, of where the teams are going to finish. And, and typically, most of us get it horribly wrong. And yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I guess the, I think at the start of the season, and this is just another case of how you can get it wrong. Um, I think I had Viden and and Dukes combining for like forty goals or something. Really, as my like my uh, ambitious hopes of Hanover's roadmap to promotion. And yeah, I think I think the Viden situation is quite interesting because it it may be a case of him getting a bit too big for his britches after being a a Kreisliga striker who struck at gold uh, for Hanover, and then you know. He was, yeah, he was anonymous, and and a lot of the, the times Kochak would would have him come off the bench because he wasn't really good enough to to start alongside Marvin Duction, and those two really couldn't figure it out. They 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 weren't very cohesive together, and you know ultimately when the two guys you're expecting to really combine for the major goal scoring, only one of them is producing, it becomes a real problem, and. That's what it was for Hanover, just a bitterly disappointing season. And, you know, Zimmerman, who's the new man in charge, who's still got one more game with Havelsey in the um, in the playoffs for the Dritter Liga, uh, he will be hoping to end on a high before um, making the journey to Hanover and his destiny in the Schweiz Bundesliga. Let's move on to Jan Regensburg. A team that has always defied the odds in the side of Bundesliga. Um, a team that a few of us had going down this season. But they found a way, although not even close to convincing. Nine wins, 11 draws, 14 losses for Merced Salambegovic. And that gets you 14th place. 37 goals. And only Eintracht Braunschweig scored fewer goals than Jan Regensburg this season. And when you look at their goal scoring output for for the season. Andreas Albers, 13 goals. Sebastian Stolzer, 6. Jan George with 5. There is already 24 of your 37 goals. That is a massive, massive problem. But alas, they were able to find a way towards the end of the season. Uh, Let's hear from Dennis. He is a Jan Regensburg fan. Let's hear what he had to say about the season for the Jan. Hello, this is Dennis, and this is Frau Jan Fan with a season recap of the team. The first half was alright, but from the quarantine break onwards, the Jan were a bit disappointing. One true highlight of it was the DFB Pokal run, the first time in club history that they got to the quarterfinals, and that was amazing to watch. My player of the season, without a doubt, was our keeper Alexander Meyer, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Close second was Andreas Albers. Without those two, the Jan would have surely gone down. Now for what I hope for the future. 
Our coach Mertzatz and Imbegovic should motivate our players more. I get the feeling that they don't use their potential to the fullest, and they really, really need to improve their set pieces. That's all from my side, so let's enjoy an absurdly good season, with hopefully better coverage than the German broadcaster having 100% rights of the Zweite Bundesliga. I wish all the clubs best of luck. Goodbye. Thank you, Dennis. And yes, 100% correct on the uh, the coverage. I would love to get some Zweite Bundesliga down in Australia, but also for Germany. Uh, whenever you've got a 30-second halftime show lined up and then 14 minutes of ads, that's a bit of a problem. Um, but overall, we did say a lot of things correct. Uh, the set pieces, I know Eva put in the notes, um, they were atrocious conceded, um, at set piece defending um, and on counter-attacks where half of their goals uh, came from concession from those two. 17 goals from set pieces, eight from the counter-attack. Either the defense was very suspicious for majority of the season, but as Dennis mentioned, they had some unbelievably good goalkeeping from Alexander Meyer. It does make you wonder if they didn't have the the, the, the quality that he produced, produced throughout the season, they could have easily been in that bottom three discussion. Yeah, and I mean, you you have to say that it was more or less like a last-minute save for them as well, more or less. Um, I have to correct you from earlier, and you said only Braunschweig um, conceded, uh, scored less goals, actually. Osnabrück only scored 35 goals as well. Uh, so yes. um, Yeah, I see what I did um, there. Yep. <laughs> just, just ignore <laughs> them. Um, no, but if you if you look at Ringsburg... Um, yeah, they they really struggled to to create, or they didn't even struggle to create chances. But I mean, if you look at the first half of the season, they actually scored a couple of goals. But then towards, I want to say twenty twenty one, that got less. And I mean, the most goals they probably scored in twenty twenty one was in the uh, the Pipokai game against Köln. So um, cool. Um, Otherwise, they they've more conceded like three goals. I I think that that three 0 against St. Pauli was the most goal they scored in total, like for for 2021 actually, than in in the league. So that says a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we spoke about them, of course, throughout the season as well. And I always I had difficulties to put my finger on it because I didn't really know where to put them. Um, as you've mentioned, if it would have been um, well for really good goalkeeping, um, they could have gone or went down. I mean, their best chance or best advantage was probably that there were four teams that were worse than them. So, yeah, don't know. Um, they definitely have to improve, um, especially with with their defense. That's something they, they have to look out for in obviously goal scoring as well yeah i was just proving that i am human and i make mistakes but um yeah they, they have clear areas of of um of need heading into next season and then there's always the question over the manager you know is merced salenbegovic the right guy um to be determined i think but Overall, they survived. They've done it the last few seasons with different managers. That's been the the in, the, fun, the thing about them, whether it's been Akim Bayalorza, Heiko Herlik, who got them promoted to the Svita Bundesliga. You know, they have found a way to remain in that mid-table area 
This is their worst finish in the three seasons they've been in the Svarta Bundesliga. I think that's been a pretty good effort from them. If nothing else, they have a very good goal song, and I think that's that's something to speak of. Um, let's move on to Sandhausen. And they were saved by the bell. They somehow found a survival in the uh, the final few match days because they had a relatively turbulent season. Started with Uwe Koshinat. Uh, he lasted eight match days. Then Mikhail Schieler uh, from match day nine to match day 21. And then Gerhard Kleppinger, along with uh, Stefan Kulovitz, took over for the remainder of the season. They did enough. Kleppinger uh, and Kulovitz have been given an extended contract. They will now be officially in charge instead of the interim basis. 15th on the table. That's 10 wins, 4 draws, 20 losses. An extraordinary record, but enough nonetheless. 41 goals for 60 goals against Kevin Behrens uh, with 13 goals. Daniel Caterell with 12. There's 25 of your 41. And then there are three players. Niels Rosler, Alexander Esfine, and Julius Biada with two apiece. Um... There's 31, and then a bunch of other goal scorers with singles. Let's hear from Lewis. Of course, we've had Lewis on the podcast before. He is part of Sandhausen's fan radio. Let's hear what he had to say about Sandhausen's season. Sandhausen started off with high ambitions and the target to play the best season in Sandhausen history. They also made some big transfers with Eswein Contento and Caterell who some of them didn't really deliver the season, especially uh, Contento, who will leave the club after the season. They had a pretty decent start with two wins out of the first three matches, but afterwards struggled a bit. And uh, for me, then came the turning point with the sacking of Uwe Koshinat, which was a bit prematurely, in my opinion. Um, they uh, Michael Schiele took over, was in charge, and... In my opinion, he was an extremely bad fit. He didn't really manage to establish himself in the club. And uh, his uh, his sacking was pretty much unavoidable. Um, afterwards, Kulovitz and Kleppinger took over. And you could er- see some improvements pretty early. They won their second match against Osnabr- Osnabrück, which was pretty important. But also lost a crucial match against Braunschweig. And then... Came the next uh, break with the quarantine after the uh, win against uh, Würzburger Kickers. They had to go in two weeks of quarantine uh, because of some um, corona um, infections in the team. And we really had to wonder how they would get back from this. But because they had some pretty uh, tough opponents afterwards with Kiel, Hamburg, Hannover, um, also with with Fürth, but they made an incredible comeback against Hamburg and Hannover, um, won both matches, then uh, made a great comeback also in the match against Fürth, but um, like often in this season, they they lost after being in front, they gave away a lead and against Fürth, also against Heidenheim, so they could have been saved pretty much uh, earlier. But um, then won their um, second-to-last game against Regensburg and had a bit of luck that Auer helped them on the last match day. So they stayed in against Bochum. All in all, it was a pretty bumpy season uh, for Sandhausen and they can be lucky to still be in second Bundesliga. And um, yeah, But I look forward to next season, which will be also pretty... Uh, 
pretty uh, surprising, I think, because they uh, had 14 players lo uh, left the club. So there will be, again, a, a lot of change this summer. So you can uh, look forward to next season, which will be the 10th season of Sandhausen in the second Bundesliga. Thank you, Lewis. And that was as in-depth as you're going to get. He's, he's brilliant. Thank you, Lewis. Um, let's let's talk Sandhausen then. And turbulent is probably the best word to describe them. As I mentioned before, they did find a way, but again, they just find a way. It's incredible that you know they've spent now a decade in the Spider Bundesliga, and and I, I guess the, the the overgrowing sort of thought process with how you think about Sandhausen is. They go through coaching changes, you know, they have massive squad turnover, and yet they still find a way to survive, and either they did it again. Yeah, it was very last minutes this time, not as, you could say, um, well-planned as uh, as the season before, as uh, Luz mentioned. Um, but yeah, a very difficult season for them. I don't remember the last time they had this uh, amount of... of, of changes coach changes um in in one season i mean i'm I'm happy to see that they will go on with that duo for the next season i think that's a very good fit they yeah they they live and breathe the club you could say um yeah but um as i'm i mean i don't even know what to say anymore because lewis just summed it up very well and um yeah for for Zandhausen, um I don't think I do think we will see a better season of them for for next season because they kind of sign every player that is on the market at the moment. <laughs> you have a feeling. Um, always a very very cool um Twitter work as well with this red kind of loading sign. That's um that's quite funny. Um, yeah, but but for them, I mean, they know what they have to improve. Um, I think that's safe to say. Um, definitely defending, but um, also putting their the good people in in more of um, yeah, just in a better spotlight. Spotlight, sorry. Um, they will have a couple of, of I think Narai, um, Narai, sorry, uh, will be one of the the players that will be missed there because he he was really really one of the key players in midfield. Yeah, but in general, it wasn't their best season. That's safe to say. But I'm quite sure Zandhausen, um, they already are on, um, yeah, just on the tracks of of improving that for next season. I think the one thing that stood out to me when I was looking at the stats and all that was <clears throat> they need more sort of offensive production from some of their attacking midfield players now. It's all well and good to have two strikers in double digits. We've saw Auer did it, and you know that's fine. But you need your midfielders need to also come to the table and, and find the back of the net. And what we found is is that that wasn't really the case. And you know when you're not defending particularly well, which Sandhausen weren't, or that granted they got some improved goalkeeping with Stefanos Capino. Um. After uh, during the winter, when they when they signed him on loan from Bremen, he most likely will be Bremen's number one next season if uh, Jiri Pavlenka is to leave. Um, you know, ultimately, what we see is is that 
they're they're a nice team on paper, but the production just wasn't there from a few of them. Some of them couldn't reach the heights of the previous season. Biada was one of them, but he had injuries and he just really couldn't recapture the form. But you know, ultimately with Sandhausen, not a terrible season by any stretch, but not probably not what they are capable of. I think we we expect maybe a little bit more of them nowadays than we did ten years ago. We are going to take a break. Uh, then we are going to get some tactical insight as to what makes the bottom three um, who they were this season. And then we'll talk about those teams at length. There are some clear things as to what makes a relegated side one so poor Obviously, the lack of wins, the inability to score goals, but there's a little bit more to it. We asked Florian Zenger once again to tell us what's made the difference for those teams in the bottom three. Now, when you look at the teams that were relegated, of course, there's things that jump out when you just look at the table. They conceded the most goals, they scored the fewest, even if you look at the expected points table, you can see that the only team that's below the three teams that were relegated is our, and they've been doing some dark Dirk Schuster magic for the second straight year running. So apart from them, this is the one thing that's really obvious that it was quote unquote deserved when you just look at the points table. Um, you can also look at the fact that they were among the most passive teams when it comes to, to pressing. They were the teams that managed to hold on to the ball for the shortest time, their average time of possession was really low. Both of these, uh, the fa this factor also comes, uh, is also true for Sandhausen, who were also down there. So basically, you can see that if you don't get into some spells where you keep the ball, you get into trouble a whole lot. And basically, this is one of the things that's really obvious um, when you look at it, why teams got into relegation trouble or were actually relegated. And then, of course, we can also talk about the fact that most of these teams, especially Würzburg and, and Osnabrück, played with their formation a whole lot. And that also didn't lead to more stability Thank you, Florian. And definitely the mention of the lack of continuity certainly became a thing for, for, for Osnabrück in the end and very much led to their downfall. Uh, they finished 16th, 9 wins, 6 draws, 19 losses, uh, but beaten at the final hurdle by Ingolstadt in the relegation playoffs. They started relatively well in the season. Marco Grota took the first 21 matches However, after a horrendous run of form, he was given the boot. Florian Fulan was on an interim basis for two games. Then Marcus Feldhoff uh, for the remainder. But he also ended up getting the boot after losing the relegation playoff. Um, 35 goals for 58 goals against. Sebastian Kirk was involved in 20 of the goals scored. Uh, he had 10 goals and 10 assists. Christian Santos with eight goals, the second best. Uh, let's get a bit of fan perspective and football expert perspective. Lewis Ostrovsky, 
who covers the Spider Bundesliga, absolutely kills it. Uh, he took a look at Osnabrück's season. A 16th place finish and a playoff defeat to Ingolstadt means that Osnabrück went down to the third division after a pretty catastrophic season. But it did seem promising to begin with, despite losing coach Daniel Thun and key players like Moritz Heyer and Marcus Alvarez. Varfel was second in the league after seven games and still unbeaten, but from that point onwards they were the worst team in the league. New coach Marco Grota was eventually let go after picking up just one point in three months, and his replacement, Marcus Feldhoff, ended his winless streak, but then managed an embarrassing 4-0 loss to Braunschweig at home, which was part of an unprecedented 13-game losing streak at the Bremerbrücke. Ludovic Reis, on loan from Barcelona, and Mark Heider, who's been at the club since 2016, both gave Osnabrück a chance of survival, but after throwing away a 1-0 lead against Auer on the last day and losing the first leg of the playoff 3-0, Feldhoff's team didn't have the bottle for the relegation fight and Valfell will play third division football next season. Thank you very much, Lewis. And again, it really was the tale for them where when they went on the losing run, it was very much like a car with the brakes cut off going downhill there was no way to really stop it they did try and patch it Marcus Feldhoff tried to do his best but ultimately it was for Norton either someone once said to me that uh, if you're relying on Sebastian Kirk for your goals um, you you're not in a great position to survive and that was very much the case for Osnabrück this season yeah, I mean, I do feel sorry for them. Um, we spoke about them in in length um, when we were discussing the relegation playoff games. And um, yeah, I think it's especially because they started off so well. Um, and then you kind of had a wrong impression about them as well. Um, but in the end, I mean... <sighs> Maybe, maybe um, they were not well equipped enough. Maybe I don't know. I don't even know if it might have been okay to to keep quarter for the rest of the season because we have to say, well, of course they they had that additional game in the end. But I don't know about you, but for me, not a lot really changed under Feldhoff. Um, know if you would tend to agree or disagree um because the game was still very put on Sebastian Kayak he was always that central role and if he didn't work or if, if I mean at some stage the opponents knew that and um, had good yeah good ideas of putting him out of the game um it's going to be a very tough Dritte Liga season for them um as mentioned do feel sorry for them I think um Yep, there would have been possibilities, especially if like um, Regensburg or Sandhausen would have been um, not that well equipped until the end, or not did not wouldn't have picked up the points they did in the end. Uh, it was a very close call, um, so it could have been or it could have went either way, but it, they could have been relegated directly as well if it would have had been for Braunschweig and Würzburg. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing is that they did find a way to pull themselves into the playoffs, and you know, off improved them marginally. But as you mentioned, there was such a reliance on Sebastian Kirk to not only be the provider but also the the converter, and ultimately, yeah, they just 
there wasn't enough going on and defensively they were just yep pretty hopeless and obviously not the worst in the league they were they were they were amongst it but um yeah i think i think when you when you look at it you know they they weren't able to replicate what daniel tune did they just didn't have that same fighting spirit you look at the second leg of that playoff against ingolstadt and for the first 30 to 40 minutes that fight had not been there for a good portion of the season it was it was the knowledge of knowing that if they don't win they 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 they're relegated and ultimately they left their run too late that that poor first leg really set the catalyst of needing some sort of mirac- some sort of miracle and although Kern put five against Kiel it's a different kettle of fish the Svarta Bundesliga versus Dritte Liga playoff game is far more tighter and you know there is scope for the Dritte Liga side although it being Ingolstadt's third consecutive attempt at trying to to win it um you know the the, the dam had broken and, and very much Osnabrück just didn't have enough in the bank and you know ultimately for them they will have to regroup and and try and make a run at promotion next season it's going to be very very tough for them let's move on to Eintracht Braunschweig they were promoted last season in the previous campaign new manager Daniel Meyer formerly of Erzgebirge Auer was given the keys uh, to try and get Braunschweig to remain in the Zweite Bundesliga. However, he did not manage to do so. 17th place, that's relegated. Seven wins, 10 draws, 17 defeats. They were the worst attacking team in the Zweite Bundesliga. 30 goals, 59 given up. Nick Proschwitz was their top scorer with seven. Fabio Kaufmann managed five. Marcel Beer and Martin Kobilanski managing four. It was a very tough season for Braunschweig. They had their chances to survive, but they fell away uh, right towards the end, and they must return to the Dritte Liga once again. Kevin, who is a diehard Eintracht Braunschweig fan, he spoke to us about the season that was for Braunschweig. At the start of the season, we tried to play with a three-at-the-back formation, but a lot of players played on a new position and never played this before. Our defense was pretty bad and we conceded way too many goals. The team was able to fight back after conceding and we managed to get a lot of points after getting behind, but sometimes that was not enough. We changed our goalkeeper, some defenders and changed to a four-at-the-back formation. So then it improved a little bit. During the winter break, DRKT and Beren joined the team. Those two really made a difference. We managed 18 sheets with Beren on the pitch. But we didn't really have anyone behind those two. So when Berend got injured, we only managed to get one point out of the four games without him and conceded nine goals. The defense had its up and downs throughout the whole season. However, the, the offense was not good enough in most games. We only scored 30 goals and didn't manage to score in 16 games. One huge factor was conceding early. 16 goals in the first 15 minutes really shows we weren't always there from the beginning. The injuries of Abdullahi didn't help either. Nick Potschwitz was our main striker, which he wasn't in the third division season before. He started okay, but his form declined to the end of the season. All in all, most things were just not good enough. Nearly every statistic shows that we were, we were one of the worst teams. But nonetheless, we had a chance to the, till the last matchday. But after losing to already relegated Würzburg, on match day 33, the hopes were small, and they deserved for a loss against Hamburgers V completed an annoying season. 
Thank you very much, Kevin. And I know that's not a particularly nice conversation to have talking about your side's relegation, but we very much appreciate you providing the rundown. And yeah, Kevin really much covered it. They were statistically one of the worst teams and, and they warranted the relegation. And, you know, there were a lot of doubts whether Daniel Meyer was the right guy. We know that he showed glimpses at our teams that were very defensively resolute, um, but it did not translate to Braunschweig. And it was interesting thing, Eva, he, he mentioned about the addition of Brian Berendt, someone you're very familiar with at his time at Bielefeld. Of course, he's actually going to stay at Braunschweig till 2024. Um, it was clear that he made such an immediate impact for Braunschweig, but ultimately, even with him in and out of the squad due to injury, they just did not have enough squad depth to really take advantage um, of the teams around them as showcased by that defeat on the penultimate match day against Würzburg. Yeah, would um, totally agree with everything that just has been said uh, from you as well as from Kevin. I mean, um, you had the feeling there was one game where you where they could have turned it around with a 4-0 win over Osnabrück, but after that, as Kevin mentioned, um, didn't work well. <laughs> You could say, and I mean, I don't know. They, they had some quality, but of course, you can't can't talk about Brunswick without quickly mentioning the whole. I want to say incident <laughs> around. Uh, I think Nick Poshwitz, Martin Kubilenski as well. Um, we still don't know what happens. I don't want to rely on every any sources that are being made from the. Newspaper with the four capital letters. Um, <laughs> sorry, my style. But uh, yeah, it's, as mentioned before, with uh, yep, it's never good if you have some kind of um, yeah chaos, some kind of chaotic news um, where the fans don't really know what is happening there. Um, never helps. Um, didn't help Braunschweig in the end as well. Um, because it's not what you need if you have the feeling in the end um, they're kind of two parties in some ways that don't work together anymore, that work against each other and not for the club or for the club's sake. And you could see that on the pitch as well. Um, yeah, I do agree that um, someone like Beagle really helped the team just because of his experience. I, I'm happy for them that he will continue to play for them in, in the Dritte Liga. Um, he, he can be a key factor because he knows how, yeah, w what what this situation feels like. Um, yeah, in general, I do. I, I did expect a bit more of them. Um, I have to be honest, if, if I take a look at my prediction table. Um, but in the end, if you only score 30 goals, um, I, that being said, from as a fan of a team that only scored 26 goals. Um, but then if you, you can, you might not have the best offense, but if your defense lacks stability, it's always very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. This is also coming from a fan who saw 25 goals. Yeah. 25 goals. So we, we were equally bad attacking wise. Um, but yeah, I think with with Braunschweig, we'll, we'll watch with anticipation because their manager is Mikael Schieler, who um, was at Würzburg and then Sandhausen, and he is going to be the man entrusted in to bringing Braunschweig back to the Zweite Bundesliga. Um, 
yeah, it's a disappointment for, for Braunschweig. I think we all hoped maybe for a little bit more. Um, but yeah, they will go at it again. Um, you know, we, we know that they've got a very strong fan base and, and you know, we will see. It, it's just, yeah, a bit of a shame for them. But, um, you know, a new opportunity for them and, and we'll see what happens with them. And let's let's end this episode with Würzburger Kickers. Very, there's not really a lot you can say without the words chaotic, brief, unstable, um, a mess. It was just a strange old season for Würzburg and their return to the Spider Bundesliga was short. Bottom, six wins, seven draws, 21 defeats, 37 goals scored, 69 conceded and they had four different managers throughout their time. Mikael Schiele, Marco Anverpen, Ber- Bernhard Trias, and Ralph Santelli. They're your four managers. That's relegation territory. Rich Muncy was their top scorer with seven goals. Marvin Piringer with six. Lars Dietz scored four, most of them coming in the second half of the season. David Kopach was their leading assist getter with six. Let's bring in Stefan. He is the author and editor of the Local Held. Uh, Würzburger Sports Magazine. Um, he talks about the season that was for Würzburg. In the summer of 2020, the Würzburger Kickers wrote a little football fairy tale. In the midst of the pandemic, the club surprisingly rose to the second Bundesliga for the fir- third time in the club's 113-year history. It was followed by the most chaotic year in the club's history. At the beginning of 2020, former Bayern manager Felix Magath joined Kickers as a consultant through the collaboration with Investor Fly Alarm. With him, it should go into completely new fields. It turned out completely different. After two match days, coach Michael Chile was dismissed. The team, which was reinforced over the entire season with international players who were far from the top form, was never a functioning team. From the third day of the season, the kickers were in last place, usually many points behind the other teams. The second coach of the season, Marco Antwerpen, was fired again after just five games. Magat commented sincerely, he can go on working, only somewhere else. Bernhard Traus, former Bundesliga player, trained the kickers for 18 games, but even he didn't manage to turn things around. In the second half of the season, HSV could be beaten at home, but the gap was too big. Youth coach Ralf Santelli took over the last nine games. Relegation was certain with three game days before the end. The season ended in ruins. Felix Magath has now turned his back on the club, quite a few players too. The fans demanded on a banner in the last two home games, more kickers, less theatre. This is exactly what will be important in the future of Würzburger Kickers. Thank you, Stefan. And it's been an unbelievable ride with Würzburg. I mean, we we experienced it last season with Wiesbaden, but um, not to this extent. It was a it was a pure soap opera, and um, you know, Würzburg was the city, and uh, every Zweite Bundesliga fan was its audience, and it was. Either it was one hell of a ride. I mean, one thing that was certain is if they weren't performing on the field, there was some sort of drama off it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there were 
there were times during the season where I didn't remember who was coach again. <laughs> um, I already forgot that Marco and Werf was there. Um, this season really needed to end, let's say it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of players that kind of showed their um, potential. I mean, Marvin Pieringer, Rich Munzi, Rolf Felger, probably, and David Kopach as well, um, really in the mix um, there. But in general, I mean, yeah, it was very unnecessary that they brought so much chaos into that. I mean, um, I have to say, um, I, I'm a huge fan of Sebastian Chopin, who of course works for the club now after being a player there and after really getting his team promoted uh, to the Zweite Bundesliga again with that final penalty um, in, in the Dritte Liga. But, I mean, if, if you just look at what... Um, Look at the games that Würzburg won. I mean, they won against Hanover, which was which was a bit weird as well. I mean, they won both games against Han- Hanover. Um, won against Düsseldorf, against Hamburg. And, well, then, of course, they won two of the games um, against direct opponents, uh, against um, Eintracht Braunschweig and uh, Osnabrück. Um, but in general, yeah, it was... Just defending wise, horrible. They were, they didn't have the worst uh, offense. We spoke about that, of course, but um, yeah, in general, a lot of unnecessary, again, a lot of unnecessary tension around the club that didn't really help. And at some stage, you could, I mean, if you look throughout the leagues, there were, I, I can't remember the last time we had so many coaches being. <laughs> Uh, fired after two match days. I mean, it was Schiele and in the Bundesliga it was uh, Bayer, Lotz and Wagner, especially with um, Bayer, Lotz and Wagner. This is a completely different story, but you had a lo- lot of clubs where you had the feeling they waited too long. Yeah. And I don't know, with Bernard Trares, then they waited a bit longer and then they got Zantelli in, and Zantelli didn't always look very healthy in that situation i don't know if he was just yeah he, he was he was very passionate but yeah i didn't really know what his plan was um going forward and that would this is basically what i have with all four coaches that were at the club yeah um for Wittsburg, it's going to be a tough season obviously um they they might have been as a as a kind of ideal club to follow in a way um really big quotation marks there but yeah i mean i have to say i'm not i'm not really surprised <laughs> yeah I, I think we all put an asterisk on Würzburger kickers as the team that most likely would go straight down with relative confidence and um yeah they put off the odd upset that's 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 what happens in the spider bundesliga is that anyone can really beat anybody whether anyone tells you otherwise or not but um yeah, they just don't have, didn't they? They never had the depth, and and you know they got Christian Strodik to 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 shore up the defense. They found out that Fabian Giefer was not their best option in goals, and Henrik Bonman was much better. Um, but yeah, you look at like a squad turnover at the end of this season, like like they're gonna have a completely different squad. I'm almost concerned, I'm almost uh, waiting for the call if they're looking for a third string goalkeeper. I mean, I'm available, but um. You know, ultimately for them, 
that lack of cohesion. We look at teams that go down. You know, there is there is a trend and never, you know, I mean, they very much followed the Schalke mold this season. Well, they, or Schalke followed the Würzburg mold, which was complete instability, um, just changing coaches, coaches willy-nilly and hoping that something would work out and it didn't. So their short stay is very brief, but you never know what could happen. They may come up very, very soon. Um, I guess we'll keep an eye on it. And that's it. Lock it in the book. This is the moment that the season is officially over for us. 2020-2021 is done. Thank you so much for listening. We are so grateful that we've got such a great community of listeners who tune in every week to listen to Eva and myself um, talk about the Spider Bundesliga. Big thank you to all of the people who sent in audio to um, chat about their teams for our three-part series. Uh, you will get tagged in it, that is for sure. We uh, are very grateful that you are willing to come on and discuss everything. Uh, Eva, uh, I'll leave you with the final word. Um, yeah, it's been one hell of a ride, hasn't it? Yeah. In Do you mean football or the last two years? <laughs> <laughs> whatever, go Specified with whatever. <laughs> no, but um, as you've mentioned, huge thanks for everyone who p- participated in any way throughout this season. Of course, thank you for all 18 um, or even more uh, or 18 parties, you could say, um, for contributing to this episode means a lot to us. Also, thanks again for 100, uh, 1,500 followers. See, this is I'm just through with, with the season. <laughs> Numbers are not my strong suit um, at, at this stage. Um, yeah, and of course, thanks so much to you, Matthew, for being my co-host, for um, yeah, getting up for, for any kind of specials at, in the middle of the night as, as well. <laughs> um, it's always a pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to the next season with you and of course all our listeners and followers oh thank you and likewise it has been an absolute pleasure do join us in a month's time when we preview season 2021 22